everyday life issues broken down to help you build your own opinions on the issues that matter most. Coming to you from Austin, Texas, this is The Deciding Factor with your host, Alton Hill and John Herzog. Hey, everybody, and welcome to The Deciding Factor. Today, we're going to be talking about decision-making. What's up, John? Not much. Trying to make it through the week. Yeah, John's living the dream. (laughs) What dream is that? (laughs) So, yeah, so we had this podcast here, and uh, every week we've been talking about subjects, and we've been kind of offering some uh, some of our opinions on why we're deciding this or that, but we haven't really covered the topic of making a decision. Wait, decisions? We have to make decisions on the show? You know, it's <laughs> it's a big deal. And so, you know, when I brought it up to John, I think he was kind of like, ah, well, what, what is this? <laughs> but from my perspective we make so many decisions every day. And I think at some point we have to start thinking about why are we doing these things? And then there's been a couple of times in my lives where in my life where it's been really challenging to know what I should do. Right. And so you try to weigh the pros and the cons and this and that. And then sometimes with a big decision that has a lot of weight and a lot of consequences, how do we approach that? And so I think it's a super important topic. So let's. Uh, but you're wanting to talk about decision making in the business aspect or in general? I think that they apply to both. But, uh, you know, I think for me, it's really the the substantial decisions. And I think for most of us, you know, choosing a career path, choosing, um, you know, what. <laughs> what is your target market in the business? Uh, who do you want to marry? How do you teach your children things, right? How are you going to parent? There's so many decisions that we make each and every day. Am I, am I going to eat the ice cream or am I going to eat the kale? <laughs> I mean, how are you coming to that decision? What's the good, a good way to approach that, to reach that? And really, I think, I don't know. I think that there's uh, there's things there's this thing called decision fatigue, yeah. which I see a lot of, and I I have different children of different ages, and so for me, <clears throat> are you talking personal or your kids are getting fatigued from it? <laughs> <laughs> They're fatigued from my decisions, that's for sure. <laughs> but uh, no, so I have twin daughters, and one of them can just make a decision easily. But the other one, when I'm trying to get her to decide, uh, it's a lot more of a strain. So if you're imagining uh, two people trying to lift the same weight, one person can lift it easier than the other. So have you ever watched the show You versus Wild? Wait, I'm surprised you're starting this with, did I watch a show? Because you're the one that never watches anything. TV, it's a thing, John. Look it up. But but to answer... <laughs> To answer your question, no, I haven't watched that. Okay, so You versus Wild, uh, we watch it on Netflix. So I always struggle to find a show that I can watch with my kids that isn't 
My Little Pony or some princess, <laughs> vampire, unicorn, mermaid thing. And uh, <laughs> so on the on the kids' profile, You versus Wild came up. Now, this is a Bear Grylls show. Oh, it is Bear Grylls. It's Grylls. Bear Grylls, and he's out in his wherever, right? Like we watched one, he was in the Swiss Alps. We watched one, he looked like some jungle. He's still he's, drinking his own urine he's and everything. Eating grub worms and <laughs> in the Swiss Alps, he was cold because he was in the water. So he literally ran down a sheep, hogtied the sheep, and then like spooned with the sheep to get warm. What? <laughs> anyway, but no, that. And you think that's okay to watch with your kids? Man, I'm telling you, <laughs> what what happens in this show? There are four or five different decision points where you have to click the remote. It pops up like Bear Grylls. He comes like one of them. He, um, he's like, Oh man, I'm hungry out here on this Island. I need fuel to get to my, you know, get back to, uh, whatever society. And, uh, (laughs) Oh look, here's, here's some eggs. I should eat the eggs. Oh, but wait, if I just go a little farther over here, here's some plant that tastes like cardboard, but, you know, has some fuel, but I'm going to have to gather a lot of this stuff. You decide, should I eat the eggs or should I eat these little flower buds? And then you have like five seconds to click on the remote to make this decision. Does he eat the eggs? Does he eat the flower buds? And then the one was like a grub worm and then another. Anyway, <laughs> so in this thing, I'm like, yo, protein, get the protein bear. I mean, you're going to spend all this time looking for these little flowers. Get the eggs. I eat eggs every day. So he's like, all right, you want me to eat the eggs? He just chews up the eggs. Chews them Shell up. and everything? Shell and everything. Oh. <laughs> and oh, then he man. goes on, you know, trying to find... um you know, civilization, and all of a sudden he just starts barfing everywhere. And then he tells you, like, hey, eggs, they're just sitting out there. You don't know how long they've been sitting out there. They could have salmonella. They could be rotten, and you told me to eat them, and now, like, I'm barfing, and you lose. Like, you lose the game. And so you had to start the episode back what? and then go back and make the other decision. Huh. It's a really cool show. I'd encourage people Netflix. to watch it. Yeah, Netflix. And it's interactive, which was that call me old, but is, I didn't know that you could do that. Is, uh, that. is that the one that they had Bobby Bones show up on? Who's that? You don't know. <laughs> He's only your idol, you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know. But, uh, but that's a pretty cool thing. And I think to the point in this show, what I'm realizing as a father is that these are difficult decisions. And even for the children, like I watch them try to struggle with the weight of what should we do? Should we stay here? Should we build a shelter or should we follow this river? Should we rappel down this or should we try to sled down it? Which is it, right? And you don't know what the outcome's going to be. And maybe both are okay. Maybe one's bad, right? Once you're, you're going to, but you don't know, but you got to eat. And so these are high pressure situations that back to my point with my children, I'm watching 
with some, it's much easier for them to make that decision. Whereas others, it's like they struggle to make, cause you only have like five seconds and then it just selects whatever was highlighted. So there's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of things involved. I feel like my oldest daughters would not really do well in it because they wouldn't care as much. Select this. We don't care. We're not making a decision. Yeah. Well, it some, doesn't affect us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I know some of the decisions are being made because they want to see him eat the grub worm. They don't really care if that's like relevant or <laughs> not. Just like, Let's make him eat the grub worm. Let's make him throw up. <laughs> so, so yeah. So I think that, that just like any other skill that we can develop this skill. And I think if you have any leadership desire, you need to focus on doing better about this parent. And if you're going to be a parent and you are a parent, you're like, Oh, I don't, nobody works under me or I don't run this or that. If you're a parent, you're a leader, you know? So I think it's, it's a super important skill set that we should try to develop and get better with as time goes on. So one of the things I think about when people start talking about decision-making and especially when it comes to business, You'll get, you'll get cover letters and they'll say, I'm a great decision maker. This is why I should be manager. Uh, is that really it? Like, yes, I'd love for you to make good decisions, but is that really it? What do you mean? Is that really it? Because I mean, I, I, I know in the past I've had some managers that have made some pretty horrible choices and even owners and they still find a way to survive somehow, mm-hmm. some way. Sure. Even though it's like everybody's screaming, don't do that. We yeah. don't want him. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, right? And then what are, you, what are you taking into account? And I think sometimes leaders don't really consider the people underneath them, right? Like bad leaders, there's such thing. You can be a leader and be a bad one, (laughs) right? We've probably all, um, all been around that. And I think what happens sometimes is we let our pride or these other things get in the way of our decisions. But then I've also seen the people who are working for a boss that complain about the boss. Like they have no idea what it's like to be the boss and to know what that weight is that they're carrying and what, you know, what all is involved with things. They just sit there and be critical. Well, sometimes I think they even forget, you know, Hey, I don't have to make the full on decision by myself. I have other people working with me. Look at the president, right? How is he supposed to know everything about economics, uh, how to pass a law in Congress? I mean, uh, you know, Everything, right? He's getting constantly briefed yeah. by people. And uh, that reminds me, I think, in Think and Grow Rich, great book, if you haven't read it. Um, they're, they're, I may be messing this up, but I believe in Think and Grow Rich, they put Henry Ford on the stand because they're not happy about something. I don't remember it. Yeah, I need to go and read the book again. I've read it at least eight <laughs> or ten times. Um, <laughs> and they're basically asking him all of these questions and explaining to him that basically he's ignorant. And, he's, and his response is, I don't need to know all of these little answers. 
because I have buttons on my desk. And if I need to know what the answer is to this, then I push this button and that expert walks into my office and he tells me what the answer is. So all of these little trivia questions that you're asking me, I don't have to know because I have buttons that give me those answers, right? And this is Henry Ford back in the day. Before Google, that's how they did it. <laughs> Before Google, right? Now I use um, Wikipedia and all that, and that's how we get our answers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and and really, you know, before we got on the podcast, John, you and I were talking about business and, and how to make decisions in this time frame, right? So I think a lot of people, what is it now, 30 million people, jobless, probably growing more as time goes on. I know it's at least 30 million yeah, it's it's pretty high. It's, it's last scary. week they said thirty I think million. Thirteen percent is the numbers that's popping into my head. Thirteen percent unemployment. Yeah, well, thirty million is a lot of families yeah. affected, right? And um, and so, what are those thirty million people thinking right now? Should they try to start their own business? You know, because they just got laid off. I mean, I've been there, right? I've worked for the corporate America, and then it closed down and not had my job just they just walked in they controlled everything and went boop right so hey do i try to start my own thing do i refresh my resume do i do i now the weight of this decision see when you're getting that steady paycheck you're not thinking about what do i do with my life you're just collecting that check collecting that check collecting that check and then you lose the job and now the weight of making a decision comes into play. Now you're, it's forced on you. Time limits. So what do we do? And can we thrive in that environment? I think that we can, but I also think that there's, uh, you know, some, some things that, that we can do to make that a little easier than it has to be. So. Yeah, it's, it's definitely situations are different. You know, and then some, some requirements. So in your scenario of losing jobs and now your decision has to be made, well, you still have about three months. The problem is, is, you know, just to get one interview done takes about two weeks because everybody kind of drags their feet. But then you're going to have two or three interviews before that process is complete. And, I mean, you got to keep it rolling. But there's other decisions that you've got to make right now. Like we, you've got some decisions going on in, in church, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And y'all have got to really come to a conclusion here. What's going to happen? When are we going back? Who are we going to allow yeah. back? Mm-hmm. What are our barriers? Yeah, churches and then businesses too, oh, right? Yeah. This week, a lot of <clears throat> businesses are reopening. And how do they reopen? How do they get that ball rolling again? And... Um, you know, I definitely saw some things slow down on the marketing side, but it seems like things are, are picking back up on, on my end. And that makes me think that there are a lot of people out there who are kind of shifting. And I don't know if these are, you know, they were nine to fivers and now they're, they're shifting gears to business. But, um, but I think that right now, you know, like you said, the, the, (laughs) the decisions are being forced and that can be, that can be tough. Right. It can be tough on on the family. I know one time the first time I got laid off or, you know, the doors, I guess I didn't get laid off. Technically, they closed the business. 
I was no longer getting a check and I had one day's notice and it just so happened to be the day before my twin daughters were born, like literally the day before it was so crazy. I was like, is this really happening? You know? And the, the blessing in that for me was that I had no time to really sulk and whine because I was, I was going to be a dad the next day. I was not a dad today. Like, you know, in, <laughs> I feel like I would have suffered a stroke during that period. You know what? I was just, I, I just wasn't even, I was like, I can't even, I can't even be concerned with this right now. And uh, long, long story short, I'll take a, a, a chance to plug God right here. Cause I had six months with my children, with my twin daughters, you know, my wife's at home. She was stay at home mom. So her and I were both at home for six months with my children. So what I thought was a terrible thing, right? Like you just said, I would have had a stroke was in my opinion, God's way of saying, you know what? Boom. I'm going to give you this gift that no one usually gets. And that's like the first six months with your children. Right. I mean, and then no kidding. I wrote the last check for my mortgage. Well, the check that I wrote for my mortgage was the last bit of savings I had in that six months. Wow. And then I got a job the next week. So for me, it was all God's providence. And so I think that that can be someone right now, one of those 30 million, right? right? Like where is the gift in that? So when you're panicking about that and rightly so, like <laughs> I get it, I was there, but on the on on the back side of that, I'm looking back going, man, what a what a blessing. Now I had to blow through my whole savings and sweat. Right. right? But man, I wouldn't have had it any other way. And so how how can we approach these these challenging things? And in that time that I wasn't getting that steady paycheck, I was doing my side hobby stuff that I always did, which was videography and, and video production. You know, so I got, I forget how many jobs I had, but you know, I ended up getting a few thousand for my little freelance stuff. Oh, wow. So it's like, well, that's cool, right? <laughs> I mean, it gave me another, like at that point, I think that was probably at least two or three more months on my mortgage, right? So, wow. or food or whatever, you know, it was something. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I think that that's, those are things to consider you know, when you're up against these, these heavy weighted decisions is not just thinking about the moment, but thinking about the future too. And and now 11 years later, you know, I'm doing what I was freelancing full time now. So, so then go back to that moment, making your decision on whatever it was in the moment, whether it's a job or, or whatever it may be. Number one, how did you stay focused and on track and not freak out? But then on top of that, break it down. What, what's, your, what's your formula to making decisions? In that moment, this is what I've realized. That when you're making a decision, it's, I, I think that there's a recipe, okay? And you're coming from a place. You're coming from a... Uh, an emotion generally, right? We, I think that we could call it an emotion. Like if somebody cuts, 
you off on the interstate? How are you responding? If you're responding bad, which I'm raising my hand, super <laughs> guilty, okay? <laughs> well, it's anger, right? It's anger that you cut me off. How dare you? I was sitting in this line for this long, and then you just got in front of me, and you didn't wait as long as I did. I'm mad because you're waiting less than me, and you don't deserve that, but I deserve it because I waited, right? It's, a, it's out of anger, and I get it, you know? Um, so in that moment when I'm losing my job, I had the, it's like you're coming up to a crossroads and we have to figure out, do I want to make a decision based on fear, based on scarcity, or do I want to make a fear based on faith, based on abundance? And, and then I always ask what, what's going to serve me? If I freak out and panic, how does that serve me? I mean, you know, it's like a kid throwing a temper tantrum in the store. <laughs> like, what are you doing, kid? Like, kicking your legs really hard is not helping you. <laughs> I'm not, you're not getting the candy. But as adults, I think we kind of do the same thing with this freaking out in our own heads, which lead to other things that are that are worse, right? Like addictions, depression. Um, and so when I looked at that, so I looked down the road and I'm like, oh, that mindset, where does that lead? Or I just say, you know what? God tells me to have faith. Now he's really asking me to live it. Before it was like, yeah, have faith until next week. Have faith <laughs> until next week. And now he said, have faith until. Well, Okay, so I see this road that could lead to a lot of bad uh, in my, you know, fear and, and freaking out. Or I just take my chances on God or just on that something positive is going to happen. So which, which do I want to use my imagination for? And for me, in that moment, I was like, well, I know where this goes. Let's try this one <laughs> and see. And if I'm proven wrong, then... Well, at least I was happy and and trusting and focused on the right direction for a little while, right. <laughs> you know, before. Um, so so that I think that that's, you have to ask yourself, or do you want to make that decision out of fear? And I'm saying fear, but you might say, well, this is the safe, this is the safe play. This is the smart play. That's what that sounds like. Well... You know, it's pretty good like this. But what could it be? You know? Like So mixing in a possible risk versus reward or fear just to play it safe. You need to recognize why you're making that decision, right? And where is it really coming from? And I think that some people, like I can say, because I'm kind of crazy, I'll say that decision was made out of a scarcity mindset and fear. And you're like, what the response to me is that I get. No, Alton, you're crazy and you're taking on all this, um, you know, there's all this risk here. You're not, you're not playing it safe at all. You're just wild. This is the safe way to do things. And maybe, maybe that's true, but I don't think any success, really successful entrepreneur 
hasn't taken on some amount of, of risk. So when I see the super successful, I see a little more, a little more risk and a little more faith that they believed in something that wasn't there yet. I think I heard another Henry Ford quote recently that he said, if I had asked them what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse, Hmm. right? Like blows my mind. I'm like, totally the car is better than a horse. Right. (laughs) Um, but that's faith, right? Like that's a faith decision of we're going to do these things and we're going to have a, what do they call it? The moving carriage or something. I don't know. (laughs) Fact check on that, but yeah. So where you, where, where do you want to be on that? Well, so what, what about your breakdown though? How do you, for the people that are listening, how do you break down your decision-making now? What's your formula? Like in that moment or just generally? No, how, in general. How do I do it? Because I know, I think we might be slightly different. You, you came up with some kind of formula that you were telling me about mm. that your friend uh, told you about. And yeah, let's I've talk I've never about done that. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So... Um, so there was actually that job that I just mentioned that I got fired from, um, actually during that job, before I got fired, I had, I had like a nervous breakdown where I was a full grown man going home, crying in my car, like sobbing. Like I would be so embarrassed if there was a video of how (laughs) it's so the opposite of who I am. And I was just, I was working 80 hour weeks for a couple months. I was sleeping in my car, trying to make this business not fail. Wow. I was doing everything I could and more. And then in this one pivotal moment where I was trying to close the deal on the customer, like no one else showed up to the meeting. Like they literally all just bailed. Ugh. And then the customer's looking around and he like totally pulls the plug and is screaming at me and there's no one even around like the sea, like everyone's gone. And where did everybody go? Why weren't they there? I don't know. They just like bailed. And, uh, huh? I mean, we were working late, right? And we come out of this, uh, area that we were in there, but it's just gone. And he's like, what is this? And he just freaked out. And I, I don't know. It was just totally crazy. So I'm saying that because I wanted that job so bad. I was in this really boring, lame job and I'm trying to find a new job because I felt like the job that I was in before that company was a real dead end. And I'm looking, 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 looking for all these new jobs. Now this, the, the job that I had was a very corporate job. It was very, what you might say, it was a safe bet. I had benefits and I had this, it was very like, what everyone wants is this. If I said the name, you'd know it. Everybody knows it. it's huge international company. Okay. But I was just bored out of my mind and they weren't paying me anything. And I'm like, this is not working for me. So I'm on the search for these other jobs and then I'm getting these offers and I'm realizing like I have this bird in hand. It's better than a bird in the bush, right? Or two in the bush. So what am I doing chasing these other companies? And so when I would get offers, there was this one point where I really didn't know, should I take it or not? It wasn't so much better that 
I just had to jump, right? It was like, well, I think it's better, but I'm not sure. And I don't really know what to do. And so one of my mentor engineer friends like, Alton, I got you. Look, this is what you do. You pull out your Excel spreadsheet and <laughs> you put. Because you can't say engineer without Excel. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I mean, I still use this, but it's more in my head. But if it's a big one and you're a geek, you're going to love this. So uh, so basically you put all of the things that matter to you about the job. But you could say that about the woman you're going to marry the I mean, anything. Right. You could you could use this for. But let's just say that it's a job. Uh, or like a college you're going to go to or whatever. So you list all the, all of the criteria that the job is going to offer. So it's going to have pay. It's going to have, um, you know, work schedule. It's going to have commute time. It's going to have benefits. It's going to have bonus structure. It's going to have, um, you know, upward mobility or, uh, promotion potential or title or corner office or <laughs> like it has a gym. I don't know. Right. Like all of these things that are important to you. Okay. And then you next to that, you wait how much each one of those is. Right. So if the amount you're getting paid is the most important thing. Like, that's it. I just want to get paid. I don't care if I'm miserable. I don't care if they have benefits. I just want a bigger paycheck. Okay, weight that one the most, right? And you can kind of, uh, uh, the way the way I've done it is just like on a scale of one to 10. And then you just weight all of that criteria. And then you put job one, job two up there, and then you you rank them, right? So, okay, pay. Which one pays more? You know, that one gets a number, right? And then um, and then you just go down the list of which, which one's better. And uh, you can use percentages or like whole numbers or whatever, right? But now just you just go across the, the row and you just multiply, right? It's the weight of how much you're getting paid times X, whatever you put it as for each job, and then you get equals. And then at the bottom, you have a total <laughs> of you know, uh, quantifiably, which one should be the better decision. Hmm. So does that make sense? How I explained Excel without looking at Excel? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. So that, that's a very unique process, but, but you're saying you would do that in a lot of your decision-making same, but minus the Excel, just more in your head. Yeah, I mean, any decision that you're having trouble making and you don't know which one's right, which one's wrong, and you're just not sure, mm -hmm. it's a way to um, break it down into bite-sized chunks that you can actually chew on instead of just thinking, well, what is it? Oh, is this a huge life decision. <laughs> what do I do? Ah. Right? And um, just makes it a little bit more palatable, especially when it has so many consequences. I did that, I guess, you know, maybe when I was, I don't know, younger, you know, mid twenties. So now there's, I'm, that I'm approaching 40, <laughs> I've kind of honed that skill set of, of kind of weighing those things a little bit better. But I definitely think that that's huge asset. Oh, which college do I go to? Well, I visited the campus and, you know, 
here's whatever their status, here's their, you know, whatever. I mean, you just put it all on there if you're having trouble making that decision. And then it also helps you and forces you to decide, well, which is more important, Alton, the money or the commute time? Or are you really deciding that that upward mobility is more important than the pay? Right? Like you have to really, it kind of calls you out on the fact of deciding on the little things instead of just arbitrarily doing it. And it gives you a good apples to apples way to decide, which, you know, like I said, I think that's a very engineering way to do it and analytical. Right. But yeah, very analytical nerdy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love it though. Um, you know, what's funny is, is we didn't really plan this discussion before I came over. Earlier today, I was filling out uh, a questionnaire for a job that had reached out to me uh, for, you know, like a job interview type questions. And the topic did say on there, it said, question, how do you make decisions? Do you make decisions in your role? Fill us in. Spell yeah. it out. How yeah. would you do this? Yeah. And I have a much, much different answer than what you, what you gave. You know, uh, first off, I've got to know what the, the problem is or whatever the decision is I need to make. I need to know the details, who, what, when, where. I need to really know those areas. Once I do that, then I... My, my nerdy side is let's research and see what are my options in such an issue. Uh, of course, most of mine tend to be personnel related. You know, can I legally do this? Is there another uh, way I can do it? But then I th- think back to my business processing back at uh, that, that fitness group that I was with. Mm-hmm. And it was constantly rebuilding all these business processes and trying to make decisions for it. And a lot of the times I had to find a cheaper way to do everything because they were already doing it the most expensive way. <laughs> right. You know, one nailed of, it. <laughs> <laughs> nailed it. Um, no. F- so let's, let's take, for example, the uh, PEO company, which is a, a personnel company that uh, you outsource to do uh, your payroll and all your HR okay. type things, but you don't actually owner, manager, employees, they're run and owned by that PEO company. So uh, it's great for having a company that only has so many amount of people, but at some point you outgrow it and you need to do everything in-house to make more sense. Right. So looking through it was kind of like, well, here's the cost. And right away, I know I've got to go to the CEO about this. This is not a, this is not a, a little, hey, I'm going to go tell my, my manager and we're going to have a discussion and they're just going to pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. No, this was, oh, i got to sit in front of the big wigs, explain to them what the differences are, what I would like to do, how I would go about doing it, and then just, uh, you know, pros and cons kind of thing. And then when they made that decision that they wanted to try it, it's like, okay, I'm starting to make my decision, but I haven't fully done anything because now I got to follow it through. And as I'm going, now I've got to make sure that my decision is adding up while I'm making this change from a PEO company to an HRIS software. 
Yeah. So human resource information software. And I've got to make sure, you know, are the pricings matching up what I told them it would cost? Yeah. <laughs> Is it becoming more efficient like I said it would? Um, and just is the transition working out? Does the software even do what it said it would do? Right, right. Yeah, and the implementation. Yeah, so I like what you said because it's there's that decision point, right? But then there's this constant reevaluation, right? right? Which in engineering, we call that a, a, a closed-loop system, right? Oh, okay. A system that is monitoring what's actually happening yeah. and taking that into account, you know, for the next, the next step. Right. So just like a light switch, you just turn it on and off. The box doesn't check to see if the bulb came on, right. It's open loop. It just says, yeah, I turned on, I sent power up there. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But yeah, I really love that about constantly reevaluating to see if the decision was right. Do you need to yeah. Pull that ejector. Are we still on the right course? Now, going back, though, is is one thing you have to realize when making your decisions, there's always multiple decisions you can make. So how do you know the right decision that you're making is the right one? You're right. I could have stayed with the PEO. We could have shopped around for a new PEO that had a better pricing. Um Maybe the HRIS system was the right way. Maybe we needed to tweak something else. I mean, there's always other options you've got to pick out. And it's like, you can't just say, Hey, this is my idea. This is what we're going with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounded like though, what you're talking about even is like a, a sales proposal almost, right? It's not just uh, a yes or no. It's not a good or bad. It's here we are. Where do we want to go? And are we okay with this? Does this sound good? Right. And then getting other people's buy-in to your decision is almost like a whole nother podcast. Yes. <laughs> right. But sometimes uh, like, Hey, you want to decide if this is the girl you want to marry? Well, that's great. <laughs> but then she's got to agree to it too. Um, you talked yourself into it. Now you yeah, got to talk yeah. her into it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, here's all the and reasons. And then the father. Look you got to talk to the father. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let me, let me say something else though, because, um, we're kind of putting this in, in a business setting, right? Well, one time when I was a manager, I had a small team and, um, I guess maybe like, I don't know, varied. I mean, we started with one and then I think I grew to maybe 10 or 12 or 15 or something. Right. So I realized that I wanted to be a manager and that that was like a great, you know, I was a big shot. Now I was a manager. I was a boss. And then I realized I was a babysitter. That's what I realized. No offense, You increased guys. all your problems. Well, here's the thing. Like, it was a high-stress environment at this company. And uh, I, this is where I kind of learned about culture. And, uh, and while I loved, you know, I really sought out people with different skill sets. And I love that. I love the, the opposing you know, I got this guy who's OCD over here and this person who's kind of sloppy, mm -hmm. but she's really clever and efficient and he's, uh, he can only do by the book. If you got to adjust a rule, forget it. It's not happening. So that's great. 
for developing the right process because you got this person on this side of the spectrum making decisions about being efficient because maybe they're a little lazy and they look at the world differently. And you got this guy who's the buy the book guy and the rules win and we got to do it this way. And if you just bypass things, we could fail. Like, you know, we could let products out into the field and we didn't do QA. You can't just bypass QA. What's wrong with you? So anyway, there happened to be an argument and one of my direct reports went right over my head to, uh, to the director and complained about a problem with another employee in my group. Right? So I had two employees in my group that were upset at each other. And I don't even remember what the specific thing was. So my employee jumps over my head, goes to the director. I'm sitting there in my cube doing my whatever manager duties. And one of my employees comes running up to me like red faced. And the director comes up and is like, we got to talk. And I'm like, can I just excuse myself for this situation? Because whatever's fixing to happen is not good. (laughs) Um, So something happened. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember now. So that first direct report that's sitting in front of me now was promoted by the director to be like overseer in my group. Yes. Like I said, it was a high stress environment, poor culture led to a lot of bad decisions. (laughs) So anyway, and, but I got to go in with it, right? Cause he's my direct report. I'm like, yeah, good job, man. You can oversee everybody. And so basically he was uh, not being listened to and there was a big problem. So the director sitting there, my direct report, who is, uh, you know, uh, promoted is like, now he didn't get a raise. He didn't get it. He just got this title that said, I'm like, you know, a little bit higher than you. But your director promoted someone to oversee the project that you were managing. Well, no, he was, so I was a manager and he was just kind of like, I don't even know. He just kind of had the final say, but not is weird. Anyway, doesn't matter. The point is they're (laughs) sitting at my desk. They're both upset. He's mad because she's being insubordinate and I'm supposed to do something because the director's like, this isn't my problem, Alton. This is your problem. And the, uh, the lead, you know, isn't, you know, is complaining because this person's being insubordinate. And now that's my problem because they report to me. So now what do I do? Right. Wow. What is the decision right now? What does Alton do in those moments where there's so much heat and so much is in the balance? Like I could sit there and I could be like, oh, it's the director. He could fire me if I don't listen to him. And this guy's really mad. And, you know, what did they do? Well, he's saying this and he's saying that, but I haven't even heard from them yet. And, right, high pressure, not high pressure, like, you know, I'm a Navy SEAL and I'm getting shot at high pressure. But, look, if you're a manager and you were in this place, you'd be like, hey, this is not the best place. Can I just go to drink some coffee, right? But when we find ourselves in those places, 
I think it falls back, and this is going to be the exact opposite of what I already said on how to make a decision, so you'll <laughs> love it. But basically, you got to fall back on your values is what I'm trying to say. My director told me to go into the, so I worked in a, in a clean room environment. Mm-hmm. So it's like in a separate room. You need to go in there and you need to yell at them and straighten them out. That's what my director said. Right. And he's like hot. And me, as a leader, I'm sitting here going, there's no reason to yell at anyone ever. Well, I yell a lot because I'm kind of crazy. Well, now you're all of a sudden making a decision on your culture that you're building as a manager and making sure you don't lose your management style that you think is best for your I'm yourself. Like, There's no way I'm going in there. And my director had already yelled at me and I've been like, dude, you need to chill out. Because I went to school and tried to get a degree <laughs> so that I could like elevate myself a little higher than just getting yelled at. Because yeah. you're not mature enough to handle a situation without yelling. And anyway, so he's telling me to yell at these people who are my people. And I'm like, I'm not yelling at anybody. I'm going to yell at you for telling me to yell at them. No. But what I realized was like, is that me? Is that who I want to be? And for me, I value who I am and who I want to be. I'm not good at it all the time. But in my head, I have an idea of who Alton is and who I want him to be. And, uh, and in that moment, I was able to just go, no, this is totally worth losing my job over because there's no way in 10 years I'm going to be talking to John on a podcast. podcast. <laughs> and so I went in there and I yelled at these people. That's nuts. Now, I went in there and we had a conversation but it was like, you got the point across, but you just yeah. didn't go. Hot, I'm like, how do headed. we, how do we solve this in my values, which is empowering you to make decisions, empowering everyone to have the best life ever. And we killed it in that group. We were a great group. I got in trouble cause we were so good one time. The other managers are like mad at me cause we're just like killing it. I'm like whatever, man. <laughs> Sorry. So, I was extremely proud of my group, you know, but this was one of these times where we were really in growing pains, you know, and there was a lot of things going on and this may paint my lead and my director in some bad light, but there were a lot of things happening. You know, the director was getting some crazy pressure from, uh, I mean, it was just a wild place. Anybody you asked that worked there would admit. So we're all under a lot of pressure. And I think that that's when things kind of come out that maybe we're not that proud of. But if we remember, well, what do I want to do here? Well, what are my values? Is this right and align with my gut? And this is where I learned to trust my gut. Every growing up, people were like, you know, you can't just trust your emotions and your gut, you know, use logic, logic, logic. I'm, I'm all in on that. <laughs> Except you can trust your gut. Yeah. You can, if you train it and you tell it what are your values, then when those values are violated in some way, you might not be able to point it out, but you're like, "Mm, I don't know why I shouldn't go yell at them. (laughs) Uh, But I know 
it's not sitting right. I can't. I can't do that. I don't know what I'm supposed to do here, but that ain't it. So well, so you know, my final step to my decision process is is really right at the end. You've got to evaluate: was this my best decision? Is it working out? Are there tweaks that have to be made, or did I just completely screw it up? And we've got to start back over and and, and go from the beginning again. So, you know, like I mentioned in that that little questionnaire today is. I'm not afraid to admit I screwed up, made the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing to me is I'll make that change. Yeah. I'll go back and fix it or make a better decision again. Yeah. So I think that that's huge though, right? On the ownership yeah. side of it. And um, that's one of the things that I'm learning in uh, Jocko Willink, Life Babin, their book called Extreme Ownership. Right. So if you don't know those guys, they're Navy SEALs, like elite, you know, real deal dudes. And they wrote a book about leadership. And, uh, you know, as the book is titled Extreme Ownership, they come to the table of how to lead with extreme ownership, saying whatever happens is is it's on me. If it doesn't, just like you're saying, right? Like maybe you, on the on the data that you had, you know, you made all the right decisions, but at the end of the day, something, you know, blew it. A leader takes ownership of that whatever, right? And for, in their case, their seals are getting shot at. People are dying, and right. they have to stand up and say, "It was it was me," you know. Well, see, so, you know, it followed up with another question, though. The question was then. Do you feel like you're a risk taker? <laughs> and I, I don't I don't feel like I'm a risk taker per se. I think I have a lot of logic behind most of the decisions I make, especially when it comes to common sense stuff. So, you know, <laughs> common sense, what's that? <laughs> so, you know, we we tried uh, our church has started doing uh, streaming live and we started doing it. Uh, in my opinion, I, I thought we started out pretty rough and uh, Alton's actually the one that's been kind of heading that up, uh, so I'm throwing him under the bus, unfortunately. But, <laughs> but you know, I started making these recommendations. Of course, he's getting screamed at probably by the elders and everybody else and their mother at church. Um, but then it was a few weeks later, we finally, he found some, some software that was free and actually seemed like it was pretty decent. We both ended up researching it, and... So now it was like everything's starting to come together. He's starting to get more involved. But then I overwhelmed him with all these, hey, we need to do this, this, and this all at the same time. Don't wait. Let's not stair-step this. We can do all of this right now with the software. We can switch it over instead of Facebook. We're going to go to YouTube Live or, well, YouTube and YouTube Live and just make it all happen instantaneously. And Alton, I remember you saying, my engineer side says, we're making too many changes in the variables way too fast. Yep. We need to do one step at a time. And then I'm over here just like, no. <laughs> I've made the decision. We got so, enough you know, is enough. You know, so it wasn't, you know, you're thinking risk. Oh, it's too risky. To me, it was all common sense. I've messed with Facebook. I've messed with YouTube. Our Facebook 
uh, live stream was doing this, this, and this, and it was bad. Mm -hmm. And then I told you, the solution is you, you switch to YouTube and we can fast forward, make it on TV, yep. put it on an app, all mm -hmm. this other stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I added even more to it, which probably overwhelmed you. Because I remember after our podcast, we sat here and went over details of here, we yeah. need to do this and this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But see, I, I didn't see that as a risk. I saw it as a necessity and it was all common sense answers to me. Mm -hmm. We did it. And I mean, it was a huge success that first weekend that we did. <laughs> I thought, I it, mean, everybody no. commented on it. You said you didn't get any complaints finally. No, it was, it, no, it was great. It really was. And it was, it was a great move, right? Like, yeah. so that's, I mean, let's, let's dig into that risk, risk tolerance, right? Because I think what you're saying is that how you approach risk is based on your education. Right? Yeah, education, not, not research, or just Knowledge. common sense. Well, but it's not common. You can't talk about like live stream keys as common sense, right? Because not everybody knows that until you go, until you're familiar. True. Right? So once you're familiar, right? Like it was kind of crazy for me to start my own business when I'd never done it. Yeah. But I'm like, how do these other people do it? What do they do? What do they say? What's their language like? And you get around these guys and now you're like, oh, and now I'm like, whatever. Yeah. Start another business, start a second business, start a third. Right. And because I'm familiar. So one of the things that, uh, so I'm, I'm in the stock options training course. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right now or back then? Uh, this was in 2020. Okay. So, so recently. this year. <laughs> And because uh, I've, I've done stock market stuff, but I found this guy, I liked what he said and uh, paid what I would consider a decent amount of money for his expertise to teach me. Okay. Because I'm like, if I can spend this much money and make an exponential amount of money, this is a good investment. This is an investment in me. Right. Yeah. And um, how much money can this save me? Okay. Well, now I know that he saved me tons of money and he's made me tons of money too. <laughs> so yeah. Oh. And, um, in the class, we talk about your risk tolerance, right? How do you handle if, let me just use, uh, $10,000 cause it's an easy thing. What happens if you have $10,000 in the market and you just lose down to 5,000? How do you, how do you feel about that? Now, what if you had 10,000 and you went to 15? How do you feel about that? Now let's go the other way. What if you were, had 10,000 in the market and you only lost 1,000? Now you're down to nine. Or what if you, you know, everything paid off for you and you went from 10 to 11? Where are you at on that? And I'm like, I can man. tell you right now, my wife would kill me. <laughs> you did what? You spent over $100. So... <laughs> So I said, oh, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, cons I, oh man, I don't even remember what I said. Well, anyway, I was like, I'm pretty conservative. And he just looked at me and he's like, you are not conservative at all. Like you're probably the riskiest person in here. And then I was like, what? Huh. And, and so it's so variable, right? And you have to wait these things. Anyway, he had this thing, but I'm looking at it and I'm like, I'm, I'm swinging for the fences, 
uh, I'm going. That's where I'm at. So again, back to values. I, this is where I'm at. I'm doing this to make it happen. I'm not doing this to make a nickel on, you know? So if it looks good and everything lines up, I'm full in. I'm on it. And I want to reap the rewards of my good decision. I don't want to reap a little reward. I want to reap a big reward. And if that costs me, hey, man, if I lost half my money, well, I tried. That's That's where my head's at, okay? Not everyone is there, so we have to figure it out. So let's, like, go back to riskiness on different things. I think it goes back to value. How much do I value my money? Well, if I'm willing to just throw 50% out of the window, maybe I value it less than you do, right? Or maybe if you say, man, Alton, if I went from 10 grand to 11, I would throw a party and it would be great. Okay, right? Um, with so, the, so are you interchanging value and vision of a company to make it more business related? I think that it goes back to what's important to you. And so like for me with the, with the live broadcast, you start thinking of all of the variables that can come in that will get you eventually. Like I used to do really dumb things on a motorcycle still would given the opportunity. I think we've covered that (laughs) hoping to Um, like how many times can I ride a wheelie and it'd be fine. I don't know the numbers, but let's say it's not a hundred percent. Let's say if I rode a wheelie 99 or a hundred times, one of those, I'm going to fall off. So am I going to fall off the first time I ride a wheelie? Statistically, if those were the numbers, right? If I had a 1% chance, I could fall off the first one. It's not like I'm going to fall off on the hundredth. You don't know. Right. Right. So you're like, I mean, most, when you say wheelie, a motorcycle, everybody's like, Hey, if I'm going to fall off one in a hundred, I'm not doing any. Right. Right. And I'm like, I'm going to be the guy who's going to get 99 in a row. See, and I'm thinking different. I'm thinking you got to YouTube all of it that way. When you finally (laughs) fail, (laughs) at least it goes viral and then you can make something off of that. So, but again, like to me, I'm like, oh man, I'm living the dream. I wheelied 99 times. I'm, I'm having a blast. So that's where I'm at. But someone else is like, I value my life. And a $20,000 shoulder surgery doesn't sound like it's worth it to me, right? You hear those words, it's not worth it to me. That means you don't value it. So with the live stream, it's like, man, if one thing breaks, it's a big problem for me. It's a big, big, big problem. Not worth it. And I'm sitting here going, statistically, man, we might make it. 49 out of 50, but we could also just right out there on the one, which to my point, the following week, we took another big, big leap forward potentially (laughs) and had some issues. We all survived it. We're good. But I think like to your point, it's, it's all about that. You're seeing in this case, you're seeing the vision of like, man, this is trash. It doesn't even matter. You may as well fail trying (laughs) Yeah. Then stick with what you have. What potentially we can have is way better than what we have. So you're valuing what we have is low. Like it doesn't matter. It may as well be nothing better to try to get this and not make it than the other. Right. And I'm like, yeah, but 
maybe my name's all over it. And <laughs> I might get my feelings hurt if it breaks, but, but you know, but, but they did thank you. <laughs> yeah. Right. So anyway, but it, it just goes back to how you're making the decisions and recognizing like, man, I just don't want to blow it for everybody. It's yeah. pride. Yep. You got me. Everybody's experience is riding on what I'm doing rather underwhelm people than blow it. Right. Right. But then in this scenario, it's like, no, man, you're already blowing it. Just go for it. (laughs) Right. But, but I think back, you know, to kind of try to wrap up the decision-making, you know, understanding your values and understanding what the goal is and then having some amount of a systematic process. If all of that, you know, your gut's not really sitting right. Having some form of, of system like you, you explained, I think can be, can be huge when the emotions are high and the consequences are high. It's like, look, and that's what we did, right? We just went through it step by step, got a little more comfortable with it and said, go, right? right? And then just believe it. So, so what's your deciding question uh, for the day? What is my deciding question for the day? Like what, what, what are we going to answer for everybody? I think the question I would like to ask is when it's all said and done, we make so many decisions every single day. What shirt we have to wear, what shoes, uh, should I wear underwear today? Should I comb my hair? Should I shave all these decisions? And, but at the end of the day, like, what is the most important thing about it? Like, what is that thing for you? that really drives all of that? That's, that's my question. Hmm. All right, let's try it. Now it's time for our deciding factor. All right, so. I'm gonna let you do it. John's gonna let me start this one off. <laughs> all right, here's, here's my deal, okay? All, almost all of my decisions wait in my head what i consider (laughs) i can't say that my track record does not prove that uh theoretically when i'm approaching a decision i am always thinking am i going to regret this what decision will i regret and to me that gives so much clarity to my decision process like Am I going to ask Heather to marry me? I will regret if I don't. I will not regret if I ask and she shoots me down. I'll be like, well, obviously (laughs) she's smarter than I thought. Um, (laughs) In a business, right? Like I started my own business. I'm like, Elton, you're an idiot. You have no idea what you're doing. I'm like, ah, go for it. Okay. I would regret having not done this. I'm so happy that I tried. So happy. I have no regrets, no matter what happens. Even if I have to take a job as a salesman selling Ferraris, fine, I'll do it. Or motorcycles. I'd sell motorcycles. <laughs> no, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. for me, it gives so much clarity. Now, of course, I, I blow it sometimes. But, man, when you start thinking about, should I start a business? Should I go to this uh, college? Should I do this? Should I say that? I mean, for me, that's, that is, for me, the deciding factor in decisions is, will I regret this? 
it's probably <clears throat> cost me to spend a little more money <laughs> than I should have. Uh, so warning on that. But, um, but other than that, I feel like that that mentality has served me well. When it comes to, when it comes to decisions, man, I, I feel unfortunately pretty, pretty confident in every decision I make. Uh, <laughs> uh, not to sound like I have a big head. It's just, you know, I put so much into researching and, you know, I, I would say my wife calls me a worry wart because I start to really maybe overanalyze certain things at times. Uh, Guilty. <laughs> but, but at the same time, you know, when I think about business related decisions, you know, I try to pull other people into it. That way it makes a transition or change that much easier mm-hmm. because if I convince them to be on board and it's already my idea, I'm already on board, then it should go pretty smooth. So the thing that I pay more attention to is really the end process. Mm-hmm. Reevaluation. Did I do it right? Is there a tweak I can do to make it better? Mm-hmm. That's the same way with our, our church thing mm-hmm. is what other tweaks can we still do? I mean, I sent out that email and I was like, I spelled it out. We still got to do this. <laughs> I'm not done. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I think the follow-up at the end is really what is key to me. I need to know that when I leave that problem mm-hmm. or decision that it is right, but it's not only right, it's the best possible solution I can give. And uh, I, I would say that's that's what's key in decision-making for me. And I, I really think back to what I said in the beginning when I was talking about leadership. I think there's a lot of people that do make bad decisions. And I don't think just because you make a good decision makes you a great leader. I think it's all the follow-up and then how you get your team involved with all these decisions. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, don't keep making the same stupid decision over and over and repeating your patterns. Right, right. Yeah, those habits. Maybe that's something that we can talk about too, some, some habits. So, yeah, well, I appreciate everyone listening to us today. Hopefully this has been a little bit uh, insightful for you and empowered you to have what you need on your next big decision or your next kind of pivotal moment, your, your crossroads. If you're having trouble, you know, thinking about taking that leap to start your own business or whatever it is, you know, just uh, remember your values and, uh, and go for it. Thanks for listening. See ya. This has been another episode of the deciding factor giving you food for thought on real life issues. Be sure to click like and subscribe to this podcast as well as all your big social media outlets, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Don't forget to check out our website at the deciding factor and give us comments and feedback until next time. Stay safe and remember to keep an open mind.